Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. My first guest is someone who's very close to me. His name is Andrew Murray Dunn. And Andrew is not only a friend, but he's a warrior who's fighting for us in the ongoing war for our attention. In this first episode, Andrew and I are going to turn to the unhealthy relationship that many of us have with social media and our phones. I really believe that in generations from now, our grandchildren are going to look back at us and think that we were crazy the way that we engaged with our technology. I think it's going to be similar to the way that we look back at our grandparents who, for me, they were pack-a-day smokers, but they had no idea that it was an unhealthy habit. I mean, there were ads with doctors smoking cigarettes talking about the health benefits. And I think we'll look back at social media advertisements the same way. That's why I think social media addiction is one of the most important issues of our time, period. I believe that personally, I suffer from it. I feel my attention span dwindling. My brain's more scattered than it's ever been. And while I once could sit still for hours of deep work, I now find it difficult to take minutes before I reach into my pocket for my phone. I mean, have you ever pretended to go to the bathroom at dinner with friends so that you can just spend a few more minutes on your phone, checking your email or your Instagram? Because I have. I feel my attention span dwindling. I feel my brain more scattered now than it ever was. I think that I, and maybe we, are never unplugged, whether it's working or playing. We're always on our phones. Andrew has had a clear awareness of this trend for some time now, and he's been working in the humane tech and digital wellness industries for the last four years, long before the recent surge in awareness on the negative health effect that tech may have on us. Andrew built Siempo. He's pivoted a couple of times, but the mission is clear that Siempo is going to help you take back control of your own attention. It's going to help you break bad habits. And frankly, we need this help. Without it, we're going to have to cultivate superhuman powers, as Naval Ravikant of AngelList recently said, to resist large teams of engineering geniuses at Facebook, Google, Amazon, Netflix, and the like, whose sole purpose is to keep us coming back for more. I think the CEO of Netflix recently said that one of his competitors is sleep. Think about that. Next time... (laughs) the little square comes up to ask you if you want to continue watching. I think of Siempo as a friend in our pockets. It keeps us honest and makes sure that we're building healthy habits. In this episode, we're going to discuss Andrew's journey, social media addiction, the challenges of building an entirely new category in tech, that of digital wellness, and much more. I really love this man. He's a gem. I love him. And I hope that you'll see it too. If you do, you can follow Andrew and Siempo's journey on Twitter and Instagram at A-A-N-D-R-E-W-D-U-N-N and at Get Siempo. I'll post the links underneath the episodes in the information section so that you can follow through. All right. Without further ado, this is Andrew Murray Dunn. again thanks for coming on mm, thanks good to see you brother i'm thrilled to be here yeah <laughs> i appreciate the curiosity and the potentiality mindset you're bringing to this and it's it's cool to co-create it with you thank you i appreciate that so um i guess for starters why don't 
you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about Siempo? My pleasure. Siempo is solving smartphone addiction, which mm-hmm. is this big hairy problem that is still kind of unclear how to how to solve it at the personal level, the relational level, organizational, society. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a really important meta problem that a lot of our other challenges stem from. And we're trying to trying to tackle that. So we started with the smartphone interface. We asked ourselves how could we reimagine the smartphone home screen, the menus, the notifications, all of it to support your mental health, your well-being, your human potential. Mm-hmm. And so we use the behavior design lens to design it in such a way that reduces overuse, reduces unconscious use, and helps you feel better about your device. And we launched that last year and recently transitioned to an open source project because it turns out that there's a ton of developers, designers, data scientists, just like professionals in Silicon Valley who are really itching to put their life force into projects that are really helping the world. Mm. You know, if you think about what time it is on planet Earth, it's not that the sky is falling, but these climate reports are coming out saying that you know, things are going to get turbulent and we have more polarization than ever and mental health challenges are uh, becoming more pervasive. And so I think it's important that we have people kind of getting in the bunker and, and working on some of these important challenges of our time. Yeah. So there was a lot, a lot to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm excited that we have plenty of time to do it. So um, you mentioned behavioral design, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that um, you're very familiar with, but uh, certainly I could use to learn more about, and I'm guessing that people listening could use to learn more about. So can you kind of uh, describe to us a little bit more about what behavioral design is and how you guys use it in Ciempo? Yeah, there's a lot that's been written about BJ Fogg, a Stanford mm-hmm. professor and his persuasive technology lab. A lot of the inventors of Instagram and some other social media, gaming, dating apps, they actually took some of his classes around how to get people to do things. And <laughs> behavior design is about how to use triggers, like notifications, ability, like your environment, and motivation to get people to do a thing. And you mm-hmm. can manipulate all those things. And you can also, you could do that like with, a, with an eye towards cessation, like stop this forever, or start this for a period of time, or create a long-term habit. So behavior design can be applied for stopping smoking it could also be applied for come back to this game as much as possible and spend all your money on it (laughs) so (laughs) it's it's gotten some it's gotten some criticism and it is a key part of this whole attention economy debate that's going on where we have uh, incentives for companies to maximize engagement so that they can charge more for advertisements so they can make more money and and that's, that's a big force that we're up against because it's really easy to make money on the internet that way. You know, you, you build an Instagram following, you can, <laughs> uh, suddenly you have lots of eyeballs and then you can do sponsored posts. Mm. And, and I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that, but when, when the incentives of the system don't consider the well-being of all the agents in the system, and in this case, some of those agents are people and our well-being, and turns out there might be limits to how much we can spend on screens without sacrificing our, our physical health, our relationships, our sleep. Mm. And so that's kind of the question mark that's in the air. It's how can we start to design some of these products and change some of the incentive systems of our business models so that they support the well-being of all agents in the system. So that's that's really helpful. 
um, to understand. Thank you, I guess. It sounds like you're turning behavioral design on its head, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a neutral, um, not technology, but practice that can be used for both, you know, good and quote unquote evil or whatever you want to say subjectively. Correct. One question, how easily manipulable are we? (laughs) (laughs) Like, is it just Pavlov's dog? Is it just, you know, let's just keep training these people to keep coming back and get a piece of tasty meat whenever the bell rings. Um, Do we have, how much agency do we as individuals have when we're up against, you know, this behavioral design being used to continue to drive us back to our phones in this instance? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to go in there. Uh, <laughs> Let's just go in. <laughs> well, some of the things that are coming up, uh, we've we've talked about Tristan Harris. He's mm. the director at the Center huge for Human Technology. Huge Tristan fanboy. Um, yeah. One day if this thing takes off, we'd, we'd love to have you on the show, Tristan, <laughs> once it has a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been a huge inspiration to us, mm. and he's really leading the charge in this movement. And as the executive director of the Center for Humane Technology, he, he goes around speaking and trying to explain to people how we've basically taken AI supercomputers and pointed them at your brain and we're playing chess. A supercomputer is playing chess against your brain and it, it can A-B test the shit out of that to predict how you're going to respond to like a certain video in your YouTube recommended feed. And so it's it's hard to maintain that sense of agency when you have such attentional warfare going on. And many people aren't even aware of that when they land on YouTube, they're landing on a supercomputer that's going to win most of the time. Even for me, I've been working on my own digital wellness habits for about five years. And I'll be the first to admit, I get stuck in these loops and holes of just like, <laughs> I can't get off the screen. I know there's nothing to do. Me too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way, you know, and, and people that are close to me, be it my family or my girlfriend or even some friends, you know, call me out on my cell phone use. And mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why I'm so interested in this topic is that um, I believe and always have believed myself to be someone with strong willpower. Um, and, you know, we have this kind of mind over matter mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially, I, you know, I, I don't mean to kind of categorize, but especially amongst young men, um, you know, like, oh, if I just work hard, I can achieve. Yeah. And it, it kind of, it trickles down into every category. And in this instance, it trickled down for me is, you know, almost like this cycle of, um, of I abuse my phone and then I self shame yeah. and then it's a cycle. Right. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I want to draw attention to this topic is because, um, you know, I think we now need to draw superhuman powers as individuals to try to, um, to try to, you know, control ourselves from this manipulation and to hear you describe it as mm. being up against a supercomputer in a game of mental chess or mental warfare, I think will help people listening and myself included to say, okay, you know, let me take a step back from this. Um, it's not me, mm. right? Um, the odds are stacked mm-hmm. against me. So I guess, what do you think about that? And then how are you planning to turn, to turn that on its head? Mm. Yeah, it's it's good to have compassion for yourself because it's it's not a simple habit to cultivate. And I think that's one of one of the great challenges we face is that there's no silver bullet. Like it's not like we're solving this like one little point thing and it'll work for everybody. It's that we are very complex individuals with mm-hmm. different personality patterns, 
different developmental traumas, different communication contracts with our partner, with work, different preferences for, for apps that we use, different levels of willpower and relationships <laughs> with like, you know, uh, willpower. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is like our third, fourth pivot. <laughs> like we, <laughs> you know, we, and I, I want to talk about that as well. Yeah. Later. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I think, well, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned the multiple pivots because I, yeah, there's no silver bullet for this. I think it's a combination of software. We can reimagine some of the devices and the tools we use so that, so that they support our intentions of focus and balance and presence. It's also changing our habits around where we place our physical device at different times of day. Do we leave it on charging by our bed? Do we have it in our hand during our commute? Things like that. Do we have rules with our family at the dinner table? Mm-hmm. And then I think, honestly, meditation is probably one of the most <laughs> important things. Yeah. And that could be a fun trail we go on because different forms of meditation, at least some of the more popular ones that are available on apps, they're training this muscle of concentration mm-hmm. and also of self-awareness so that you can catch yourself when you have the impulse to reach for your phone and be like, oh, wait, do I need to do that in this moment? Or, oh, wait, what am I avoiding or what am I craving in this moment? Yeah. And bringing that level of self-awareness to not just your relationship with tech, but really how you're showing up on a moment-to-moment basis around your, your, whole, your whole being, I think is everything. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this problem is because it's an incredible way to meet people, like 4 billion people, where they're at, because everyone's hanging out on this thing. Yeah. And it's mostly problematic for people. And when we help free up hours of their time and help them feel less stress and more ease, and they, they're, we're finding that people are motivated to find other places in their life to improve. Mm-hmm. And it just unlocks this wellspring of benefits. And the, the impact that even just one person kind of freeing up all that time and then changing how they're relating to their family and you know, maybe finding a job that's more nourishing to them and cleaning up their space. It's just like, it, it ripples outwards. And so mm. it's, it's like, this is the thing. Like, I, I can't think of another <laughs> thing that I would work on right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so vast, right. And so important right now. I think, again, there's so much there. Um, <laughs> for, there's so many different directions that we can go in. Um, you know, one thing I want to touch on is you mentioned meditation and something that I've been thinking a lot about recently is kind of this idea of, um, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Mm. And meditation is a practice that sounds simple, right? It's like, oh, just sit still for 10 minutes a day, mm-hmm. right? When you wake up. Um, and, you know, being someone that practices, it's a struggle often, especially when I need it the most to sit down and actually do it, mm-hmm. right? And that's the weird thing about meditation is that it's when when we need it the most that we're most averse to doing it. Totally. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so... Um, you know, what I'm so excited about with what you're doing and what many others are doing in this space is like, we need the support of others, right? We need more tools. Mm. Meditation is one tool, but I don't know that in the game against supercomputer mm. attention manipulation, that all of us are capable of cultivating these superhuman powers of concentration and, um, and awareness, you know, myself included, like I practice this stuff all the time and, yeah. and it is so hard. I, I catch myself after almost sometimes it can be like 
30 minutes to an hour of mindless mm-hmm. Twitter than to then when I get bored of Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, <laughs> right? <laughs> Facebook. And before I know it, I'm like, what have I been doing for yeah. the last you know hour of my life? Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, cutting, cutting back to Siempo, how are you, how are you, what are you building? Yeah. And, um, how is it going to help us, yeah. you know, cultivate these superhuman abilities? Yeah. Thanks for bringing it back to that. It's almost mind boggling that no one has done this before. Like, it's so freaking obvious that this, <laughs> a smartphone is addicting. Like we've been talking about that for years now. So why don't we just change its design? Mm. Like, why don't we make rules for what's allowed on the home screen right now it's a vending machine of corporate logos competing for your attention they're really shiny they've been a b tested so that they they're so pretty get you in. yeah they're really pretty i did grayscale like two weeks ago i think at your recommendation oh, yeah, yeah. Tristan's, and i was honestly depressed looking at my gray phone because it's just so pretty <laughs> <laughs> otherwise so you were, you were depressed in that you just didn't really want to go into the phone it well, was like it did it worked yeah, you know yeah. it didn't i wasn't as attracted to the phone as i was when mm-hmm. it was colorful it's crazy yeah <laughs> it was so simple it's, it's really simple yeah so for example, on Siempo, we've unbranded and grayscaled the icons mm. so that they're not competing for your attention as much and they're not adding cognitive load. Because when you open your phone and you see a new Tinder notification, it, I mean, that, that could be anything. It could be anyone. And <laughs> that's really distracting to whatever you were going to do when you open your phone yeah. on the way in or the way out. Uh, we also think a lot about notifications. So there's, there's some controls on iOS and Android to decide when you want to be interrupted, but we have some deeper settings that lets you batch notifications so you can have them only come in at the top of the hour or once a day, like the mail, except from certain people or apps. And And, and why is that important? You know, batching notifications. I think it's important to, to set aside space. So for, for this hour, I'm going to be focused on my family, my friends, my work, and I'm not going to let notifications interrupt me. A lot of notifications are just corporations trying to schedule your thoughts they're not actually a person trying to get in contact with you. But even if they are a person trying to get into contact with you, it's rarely an emergency. Mm. We've just been conditioned to think like, oh, shit, I need to respond ASAP because of some uh, cultural thing. And, and how do you know notifications currently work? Because, you know, I don't know the validity of this. I think you would know better than I do. Mm-hmm. But I've been told that, you know, it's it's asynchronous. So like Instagram slow drips my favorite people liking my photos mm. not when they do it but in a slow drip so that i keep going back and get right right is that true or i i wouldn't be surprised i can't confirm it okay i know that a trick that twitter does is it it waits a moment to show you the number of new notifications because mm. it kind of like jacks up that dopamine release uh so yeah we <laughs> i mean all these things we we're basically trying to be a protective layer against the persuasive techniques of these apps. Mm. And so we, we do that on the home screen. Uh, we also, on the home screen, we prompt you to enter an intention or a mantra, something that would be more skillful for you to see 100 times a day than the vending machine of corporate logos. Huh. People really like that. And we have the icons. And we also tier your icons so that the tools are closest by. And then when you first download the app, you select which apps you want to use less. And those go on the third page where they're lower contrast. The location randomizes every time. 
so your thumb is less likely to habituate <laughs> knowing exactly where it it's is. It's crazy yeah. when you move around an icon on your phone yeah. to see your your hand, to see my hand <laughs> do, do, actually do. go, yeah. oh, wait, Instagram's not there anymore. Okay, wait, maybe I don't want to be on Instagram right now. Exactly. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's this little pattern interrupts. Mm. And, and then we have a really cool feature that I wish had gotten more love in public, but I don't know. In time, uh, mm. if you open one of those apps that you flagged to use less, we pop up a little screen cover. Okay. Maybe it's like one inch at the bottom of the screen. And it tells you how much time you're spending on the app. And mm-hmm. it also offers you alternative options like open your notes app to journal or open your wellness app. Maybe it's your meditation app. Got it. And then that screen cover grows and grows with time. So it's real-time feedback as to like you set your intention that you don't want to use this. We're going to gently nudge you towards better behavior. And you can move the screen cover around. Um, but Android just offers, right now we're only on Android because yeah. it offers developers the most degrees of freedom to really experiment with better ways of designing a smartphone interface or, or any app. Um, iOS allows us to do some of this stuff. But yeah, really, we're, we're trying to help people. And, and the first way we can do that is by putting in these uh, almost protective layers mm. against the things that make the apps most addicting. I mean, we need it, right? Like we need, I think, society, culture, Mm -hmm. individuals, millennials, however you want to frame it. Yeah. We need help, right? With, and it's, it's not coming from the government, not necessarily right in Europe. Maybe the government of Bhutan. Yeah. Oh, Bhutan, really? (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, uh, I'd like to approach a partnership with the government of Bhutan if anyone has a connection. Oh, great. <laughs> because me, they have uh, the Gross National <laughs> Happiness Index. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think thinking about gross national happiness and happiness in regards <laughs> to your cell phone use would be great. Um, for sure. I think it's great. I like the way you described yourself as a protective layer, mm. right? You guys are like the first line of defense for our brains, um, which are currently being yeah. used. I like to think of it as where we're in this digital city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real space that's been designed with certain mm. values and the intentions the metaverse sure I've, ooh, I've never heard that snow crash uh neil stevenson it's i mean we're not in virtual reality world uh-huh. it's like the oasis in uh in ready player one you know we're in this digital world oh yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. it's 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 a little polluted there's mm-hmm. a casino on every corner this is another tristan analogy that i really like and so we actually started as this hardware project. We wanted to make a new type of smartphone designed from the ground up, doing all the right things, yeah. you know, privacy, ethics, mindfulness, blah, blah, blah. But, um, and that was kind of like, let's create a whole new city and get people to move to that one. But that was a lot for people. Like, yeah, it's scary, hard. you know? Yeah, what if it doesn't have all the things I like? And what if it doesn't work out? And so with, with Android, with software, now we're meeting people where they're at in this city and we're arming them mm. or supplying them with protective layer, maybe like an air filter, sunglasses, sunscreen, a helmet. None of those things are particularly sexy, but I think that... <laughs> <laughs> but like Some helmets are kind of sexy. I don't know. It depends on, yeah, it depends yeah. on the helmet. <laughs> You're right. Okay, so it's like... There's a, a scooter helmet back there. <laughs> it's like one of those, yeah, sexy Bluetooth connected um, motorcycle helmets, uh, which aren't very safe. But yeah, so we're, we're trying to meet people where they're at and, and help them navigate this polluted city with with more intention more support and maybe a better way to think of it is like where we're like the safe neighborhood or we have like a park mm. and a community center and um you know we're just like we're trying to do things a little differently and and we hope that setting the example can put market pressure on the rest of the city to mm. adopt what we're doing 
I was just reminded of, you know, growing up, we had safe Halloween um, in my town. So it was basically, you know, for younger kids, instead of them kind of wandering around, um, you know, the neighborhood going to different strangers' homes mm-hmm. and knocking on doors, they would go to the, to the local elementary school. And there'd be a bunch of kind of like booths set up and rooms and things for them. So, oh. you know, I, I like that. It's almost like a walled garden or, you know, safe community for um, humane tech. I want to I go back to something that you said earlier. Yeah. Um, you were talking about what you do with kind of screen time and it's so cool because now people are really starting to catch on with Apple and iHealth and, yeah. you know, iOS launched their screen time feature. Now, the funny thing is I'm, I'm fascinated by this trend and I haven't even been able to find where I can go search really? for screen time. Right. Well, I have now, yeah. but it took me time. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, and maybe that just speaks to me being like te- a little tech illiterate. Um, but you know, obviously you, you guys have been thinking about this for a much longer time mm-hmm. than they have. And you're taking it and meeting people where they are mm-hmm. and then making it active, right? Whereas I think what they're saying is like, look back and it can be shocking when mm-hmm. you see I spent 12 hours on my phone today. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about the initiatives at some of these um, larger players, uh, you know, like Apple taking on, you know, even adding the screen time feature. Mm-hmm. Is that a step in the right direction? Is it reactionary, too little, too late? Are they just trying to do just enough so that we stay hooked and they can say, well, we tried? Yeah. What, what do you, what's your take on that? I think it's a little bit of everything that you mm-hmm. described. I think it meets expectations. This is a, this is growing consumer demand. People are looking for help. And these companies are the best position to help because they have such a large user base. So it'll take us a long time to get to a billion users. It'll take Apple a few engineers and designers in a few months to turn a switch and uh, arm people with some of these tools. Hmm. I think that, so our theory of change is that those companies will continue to adopt the best of what the third party, which means like the developer ecosystem builds. Hmm. And so the products that found product market fit, which means they had, you know, millions of users, where are these time tracking apps and uh, productivity oriented apps to help you set boundaries. And so when consumer demand, when public pressure was starting to mount, thanks to mm-hmm. Tristan and thanks to these Apple shareholders and common sense media, like just people in different parts of society starting to make some noise about this and demand, hey, like, what are you doing? Uh, it, it made sense for Apple and Google to, to figure out, hey, here's something that's working. So we feel confident that we're going to put it out there and it'll be helpful to a bunch of people. And I think they they do care. At the end of the day, they're not like, you know, mm-hmm. robber baron, like, you know, trying to mess with people's livelihoods. There's there's just a lot. So so Fang is not evil. I mean, I think it's there's some quote coming to mind around decent people in, in decent systems. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think all companies have to evolve in a certain way in order to meet the demands of our time, which are around climate change and uh, mental health. And uh, yeah, like there are some existential risks out there that I think businesses as as a major force in society need to be thinking about. And I think consumers are starting to choose ethical alternatives based on how a company, like if you remember the Uber Lyft stuff that was going on like a year or two ago, clear example. So I think that it's great that Apple and Google are starting to take this seriously and raising awareness for a lot of people. I think they'll continue the lag in innovation. And that's what Siempo is most excited about. And it's the reason that we pivoted to open source because 
because we're this interface, this layer, this lightweight operating system, mm. we can basically, we, we can get really creative, push the limits of in- innovation with the help of hundreds, thousands of people yeah. who have all sorts of crazy ideas, bring in experts, um, you know, partner with nonprofits who've been studying bullying can, and yeah. can you for for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what open source is oh yeah yeah right because i think that's a very um you know known concept in in mm-hmm. tech communities but it's something that many of us don't really know can you kind of describe what open source means yeah and i didn't know what it meant like six months yeah, ago exactly, <laughs> it was kind right? of just this intuition like <laughs> really it was a sense of so we're a tech startup where we're trying to go the, the typical route, raise money, get users. Mm-hmm. And I just had the sense of like, I can't help but think that if if we really want this mission to, to happen fast, mm-hmm. then we need more people working on it together. And what what's open source about? Because I, I hear that's about like a lot of people working on a project. And it, it seems like a cool way to invite all this potential energy. I noticed that we had a lot of people email us saying like, I love your product. If you ever need help. Like, I'd love to contribute design skills or data science skills, you know, engineering skills. And so I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds great. Like, why don't we invite that support in? And so I did a little open source research. And it's, I mean, a lot of people have a misconception that open source means free Hmm. and there's no money in it. But um, I don't have to go into the whole business case, but there's, there's lots of companies that make successful businesses yeah, around of open course. source. I mean, BitTorrent would be one one such example, right? Or yeah, like, Red Hat sold to uh, IBM mm-hmm. for $34 billion recently. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely there's yeah. definitely financial incentives, but I think still, um, so... What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what is it? <laughs> yeah, right? so so at the core, most, most companies, like Facebook is closed source. Well, most of Facebook is closed source, meaning mm-hmm. um, you, you, can't, you can't copy their code. It, it's kind of like, like the Coca-Cola secret. You can do your best to reverse engineer it and probably do a fine job because it's it's not anything that's like magic. Mm. But um, you know, it'll take time and resources and money to hire the people to do that. Open source is, hey, our code's out in the public. You can you can add to it to make it better. You can borrow it mm. and make your own thing. And depending on the license, we may require you to publish all the changes that you make or not. But basically, for me, it allows these ideas to proliferate. Like, if, if we're trying to get from one sample user to a billion sample users by ourselves, that's going to take years. Maybe it'll never happen. Yeah. But as an open source project, we might get there faster. Other people can build their own versions of Sampo. And most importantly for me is that we just have a lot more people creating prototypes that both consumers and professionals can rally around and Apple and Google executives can see, oh shit, here's a thing that's working. It really helps people. Maybe it's actually not so damaging to our business. Maybe it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we could do it better. And so like the, the tide's just rising, all the boats or whatever that phrase is. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone wins. And it's just like, and, and in the process, because we're the, the center of gravity around this thinking and all, all the, these resources coming together, we, we build a great brand and then we can offer other products and services that deliver value to people. So it's just like, for me, it's a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I, I've got a vision of, I don't even know if this scene existed in Braveheart, but like mm-hmm. William Wallace and his kind of small crew of troops trying to fight against the great English and em- British empire or whatever it was yeah. at that time, <laughs> you know, this small band of, of 
you know, vigilantes. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden the kind of horse, you know, the horseback riders and the cavalry comes in and you guys were trying to, you know, and we'll talk about how you pivoted and, mm-hmm. and you've been thinking about this now for at least four years, right? Yeah. Maybe longer, you know, and you're working on this problem and you're trying to help us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the consumer yeah. who are alone on this island, not even realizing that literally we're getting pinged with just like, here's some dopamine, have fun, like, you know, <laughs> open your phone um, and you're, you're all alone. And then all of a sudden it's like, let's just open it up. And now you've, you've started to see this community rally around what mm-hmm. you're building. And I, I really feel, you know, having been following your mm-hmm. journey through this process that you're just at the very beginning of this mm-hmm. and <laughs> the cavalry is going to keep coming in. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I mean, we're, we're at this major inflection point right now where people are starting to realize Hey, like tech is only going to get more integrated into our persons. Yeah. And we need to figure out ways um, to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we need help, right? Which is why I think you're building what you're building. It's so exciting. So um, so that's great. So you open source the code and you have more people building new tools. Mm-hmm. Um, let's rewind. Yeah. Let's go like way back. Okay. Um, why? Like what happened? Something happened, right? <laughs> um, you had your epiphany moment or mm-hmm. maybe it was just all, a, a little slower than that. Maybe that's not always how things happen. But, you know, tell me what led you down this path. I think that's important for people to understand. Yeah, I normally jump to the story because there was a moment five years ago. Mm-hmm. But I could also go back even further I, I think there's go back as far as you want. We have all the time in the world right now. This is great. <laughs> all right, so my great grandfather immigrated, <laughs> and the newspaper was Not around. That far. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but like you can name those things uh, because they, they are present in some form or another. It's true. So, yeah, I think it probably I, I have to consider that growing up in the suburbs, um, where maybe on a Friday night it wasn't easy to go meet up with friends. It was more like rural suburbs where I lived. Um, cause I didn't have a car and I had a computer in my room. And so I was hanging out on AOL and the messenger a lot. Oh, yeah. And then when Facebook was out, uh, I was in 10th grade, I think. And it was just like, wow, now I can kind of see what people are up to. And, yeah. you know, I had some light social anxiety during that time. And it was just an the easy way messages were just the worst. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> that would lead to the worst social anxiety. I remember, uh, you know somebody left an away message or like, actually, I remember this specifically, you know, you'd be on late at night chatting it up. And then all of a sudden, like you'd say something to this person and the away message would go up and it would be like, it would be like, wait a second. We were in the middle of a conversation. You can't just away message me. And it's like to be continued, you know, the next day. Yeah. Um, Wow. We were stepping into our digital power. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, a lot of habits were formed during that time. Mm. And I think I was finding it a really great escape. Also a way of maybe feeling more comfortable in social settings because I could have digital conversations and build relationships that way. And that was more comfortable to me than approaching a stranger in public uh, in the cafeteria or something. And then in college, like kind of same thing. Yeah, I, I got into social life more. I was throwing parties. And so there was a real need for me to be making Facebook events and inviting people. (laughs) And, you know, I was more interested in dating. And so there was like a whole culture of like, you know, having conversations and whatever. Um, And then, yeah, I, my studies suffered. I, 
I, I, I noticed I was spending a lot of time on my phone and on my computer and, yeah. you know, friends would call me out all the time, but like no one was talking about solutions. And mm. I don't think I really had the, the sense of that I could change this. It was just like a thing like, Oh, well, I obviously I have to be on my phone. Cause like I'm talking to all these people at once. And, yeah. You know, it's, and now like it's and now it's I have to be on my phone because I'm checking work emails or oh, I'm yeah, communicating yeah. with this group and it's important to me and we're yeah. just you know there's all these any number of reasons to be plugged in oh yeah right and I, it's extremely I mean, useful it is I yeah mean, it's great it's a great tool but and some of our careers works. are reliant on it yeah. for sure I, and I've received a few messages so when I started posting about social media abuse mm-hmm. um, you know I've received messages from people like hey like how do you recommend I work in social media. Mm-hmm. Right. So my job is yeah. to be on all the time, checking yeah. hashtags, doing this. I'm in PR, right? Like, mm-hmm. This is what I do. How do you recommend that I, you know, um, step back or how do I, how do I cope with that? So that's one reason yeah. right, that I think people often use. And I can imagine it's much harder if it's your job. Yeah. I think those people need to be compensated more. There's actually a great article in The Verge about mm. Facebook outsourcing, uh, psychological, I forget the term that was used, but basically all the content moderators, moderators who are looking at like, uh, really horrific things that are happening on Facebook live. And like those people are, uh, like they're watching all this stuff all day long. And I don't think that they, I didn't read the article to be honest, but like, I, yeah, I have a no, kind of a sense fine. of what's going on. I hear you. Like I mean, you can imagine someone whose job it is to watch really well when you get into the the depths of the internet yeah the things that people post i mean this is so important actually tristan posted today on his twitter Mm -hmm. so i'm on social media obviously all the time Mm -hmm. um yeah exactly of course (laughs) i mean i love what you guys are doing and (laughs) and um and he posted that there there is a how to commit suicide video on youtube kids Jeez, right and so you know, we have these neutral, you know, air quote platforms yeah. um, that have some level of responsibility, right, um, for the content that's there. And mm-hmm. so, of course, they need people that are scanning this content. And mm-hmm. when you get really dark, right, can you imagine seeing something like that, right, and and the psychological baggage that you would have to carry from that? So you were saying that yeah. you feel they should be compensated more. People that work in kind of the the muck of Mm-hmm. of digital content and even if it's not the muck even if it just requires being on a screen for more than half of your waking life which i think many knowledge work right isn't that all of us now right like right. it's like go to the office and if you're not sitting at for me at least in, in my experience with investment banking and, yep. and other work it's like i'm sitting in front of my computer all day and half of the time i'm like why am i here and then you know you realize like people at in office environments they're sitting in front of the computer they're watching videos yeah. they're on chat they're not really doing their work yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know this is like classic um tim ferris stuff right you know you you don't need that much time in the office to actually get your job done right but we all are so plugged in for work it begs a great question and so if if that is going to be the nature of the work for a lot of people and i, I think you know arvr coming online but i think yeah, for a lot of the world, computer screens, device Excited screens are going AR. to be, yeah, me too. I think it will bring new challenges and opportunities. Yeah, all these, every technology does. And so, right now, the technology that a lot of people are using are these smartphones and computers, and they weren't really designed with much thought about how to calm our nervous system, but they mm. could be. Um, with with computer vision, with biometric scanning through cameras, there's a lot more that's possible. And so we're actually working with a few different companies right now on prototyping that. So, that's so your cool. phone's interface can adjust 
maybe the color, the font, what it surfaces based on how you're breathing, how your heart rate is. And I think some I'm of those... I'm slower just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, be I, would, so cool. I would spend a lot of money personally on a device that offered that or, or a piece of software that offered. So, um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to go back to yeah, the story. I keep, I keep interrupting you. No, I'm it's sorry, okay. I keep but talking. I definitely, there's just so much, there's so much here. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, we could just, probably talk all we, day. Yeah, and we have, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about this stuff. So fast forward, I'm 23, and this was about a decade after I got my first phone and my mm-hmm. first computer in my room. And I think I had like, I don't know, it was called low-grade depression or just like, I, I was yeah. I was struggling in a lot of different areas of my life, but I couldn't really name it. I didn't have the, I, I couldn't ask for support. And externally, like from the outside looking in, a lot of things were going well. So it was like, you know, I guess this is just how life is. Like I sense that it could be so much more, but I, I don't know. It was just kind of like. It's like a subtle, dull vibration in the background. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there were clear opportunities where I was like, wow, I think my emotional intelligence, I don't even think I knew those words. I don't think I knew those words, but it was just like, yeah. I, I think I've been limited by spending most of my waking lives on these screens. And that became crystal clear when I moved to India when I was 23 to help a friend with a business. Wow. And there were no like spiritual motivations or anything for going there. Yeah. But a month in, I took a few days to travel by myself. Uh, and not only was that solitude really powerful, but I'll never forget that first night when I was alone in a hotel room, it was like a five hour motel room or something. And I didn't have internet for the first <laughs> time in a decade. All I had was a notebook and, and this, this book I was reading and my thoughts and it was Friday night and everything just came to a halt. It was like this decade of go, go, go. And, you know, do 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 accomplish and screens like it just came to a pause mm-hmm. like i looked down at my hands just like who am i like what, <laughs> what have i been doing <laughs> the age-old question <laughs> like i had just been on like this dull hum on like for for a decade and yeah like i mean that night was so profound because i just had had the opportunity to self-reflect and think about how I was showing up and like, what do I really want? Like, where are my deepest and, desires? And and I'm, I'm going to interrupt the story one more time and we'll, we'll keep going with it. Are but... you kidding me? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, is my, this is my podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, but it's, it's what's interesting to me about this story thus far mm-hmm. is here you are in a place where there's no internet, there's no connectivity. You don't have your mobile phone. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have this realization. And yet on the flip side, we are in this mad dash globally mm-hmm. to put a smartphone in every single human's pocket. Yeah. Right. And give them information access. So mm-hmm. these little these little oases outside of our tech, mm-hmm. um, they're they're disappearing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole whole other conversation. I mean, like <laughs> one of my motivations is to help the next billion people leapfrog the attention economy so they don't have to deal with this. So they have Ooh. technology that um is by default helps them balance its power with how it can enrich their lives. And they just don't have to deal with all the shit that we've been dealing with the last few years. Because yeah. I, I, there was a time where I thought, yeah, maybe people middle-class in Indonesia shouldn't have smartphones um, because it takes them away from each other and from their rich culture, or their way of life. I, I, I think that the, 
Yeah, this is a, this is a complicated question. <laughs> yeah, it's not even, I mean, it, yeah. I, it, there's no right answer, right? Yeah. And I think the benefits of, of tech are clear, right? And the yeah. connectivity that we have, um, you know, we're able to just plug in to learn anything. We have the memory of history at our fingertips. Yeah, we yeah. don't even need long-term memory in Semi our benefits. brains anymore, yeah. right? And there's all those benefits. But then, of course, there's these challenges, as you described. And I, I love that concept of leapfrogging mm-hmm. these challenges that we face in the same way that they're leapfrogging um, wired, right. you know, telecommunication, right. right? Now we can give them the tools, you, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. although maybe yeah. <laughs> we can give them the tools that allow them to engage in a way that's healthy. And I actually, this um, this kind of brings something else up because it goes back to your story. Yeah. You know, you're 13 years old, you're on AIM, yeah. you get your first cell phone. Yeah. We're the first generation mm. that grew up without this connectivity. Right. And still remember... I still remember dialing into AOL through, mm-hmm. you know, through the phone line. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Starting and, AOL. Yeah, exactly. And, and my sister got like a crazy phone bill. I remember cause uh-huh. she had like a one 900 number, <laughs> but you know, what about like the next generation mm. that's coming up with this tech at all times that are sitting at dinner tables yeah. with their iPads? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel for the parents, the teachers, the demands are just so much greater given the challenges where, uh, yeah, kids are, kids are all getting phones earlier and earlier because their friend has one and because they might need a tablet to do their homework or the school gives them with a policy. And, uh, yeah, we're seeing some, some really sad impacts of that. I think, I think now that there's more awareness and research, there's a lot of good people trying to work on those problems too. Mm-hmm. And I'm optimistic that we uh, that we'll be able to help the Gen Z, the generation that comes after, and that they also seem to have developed other skills that that our generation didn't because of the way that they're able to work with large groups of people to get something done in Minecraft or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like if it's interesting, like it, massive coordination mm-hmm. abilities. Yeah. And I mean, if, if products like Sampo work really well, then we will be able to to meet some maybe a teenager mm-hmm. and reverse some of these harmful habits that they've picked up. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm hopeful. Well, have you seen any 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 other companies in the space or anyone that inspires you that's working specifically on this challenge for for kids? Mm. Yeah, a really good friend, Gabby. Uh, who I was going to recommend for this podcast. Oh, great. Yes, he, he's perfect. Signing um, it up. <laughs> um, Taking notes. Yeah. Gabby Gibran, happy, helping awesome parents parent intentionally. Uh, um, and then there's some products out there. This company, Circle, just raised $20 million, which is really validating for our space. Mm-hmm. And it helps. It's like a really consumer-friendly way to control the Wi-Fi and connectivity in the house, which apps kids can use and can't use. I, I haven't worked with the product and I, I honestly don't know too much about the company, but I, I I have ambitions of making stuff specifically for children. And I'm really grateful that in the Bay Area, we're surrounded by lots of experts in whether it's pediatrics or yeah. mental health or uh, even adult development. Um, because I think that a lot of the parenting products right now are a bit forceful. It's kind of uh, like making people feel bad and like taking something away. Yes. And I think there's probably more pro-social ways of, of working with the children. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's one reason why I, I feel really good about 
my ability and my team's ability to continue progressing on what we're doing is because being where we are, there's just such expertise and depth of wisdom at our fingertips. And so if you, if you think about like the next Facebook, next Google, like what ingredients would you want that company to start with? Right. Mm. These companies keep stumbling. So we think about emotional intelligence. We think about ethics, think about privacy, think about diversity and inclusion. And we think about resilience and like, so I'm just trying to Ooh. figure out all those ingredients Can for you myself. Talk about resilience. Yeah, I don't know the the technical definition, yeah. but what I, does, I mean, what does it mean to you? Yeah, to me, it means that we have a really strong mission, and even though we've come up against lots of roadblocks, we are able to shake those off, learn from them, and keep moving forward and get creative. This is a perfect perfect yeah. segue back <laughs> to your story. So Great. here here you are in India. Yeah. Five years ago. Yep. And you discover your hands because <laughs> they're not holding a phone. <laughs> they're trying. It's so much <laughs> Yeah. So that was just like, and uh, the next few days I was kind of high on life. I was going up to strangers. I was uh, getting outside my comfort zone. You have some um, great theme music in the background. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Having all sorts of weird experiences. Uh, and, and that, yeah, that, that kind of traces my digital wellness journey, but also a personal growth journey. And I, I don't want to say like rebirth or something, but it, it, yeah. it did start this new, this new me where I, I started to become more curious about the world and be more open-minded, take more risks, really want to know myself and to better myself. And that has come in fits and starts because there were some jobs that I picked up, which were just more like, you know, heads down 24 seven, always on. But those only reinforce that, holy shit, this is a problem, this whole balance with technology thing. Yeah. So about three years ago, yeah, about three years ago, I, I left a job in tech and I was like, all right, like what matters to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> I have so many privileges that I, mm. I, I just want to work on something that is going to you know, nourish my soul and serve the whole in some way. Yeah. And I think because I've been keeping my ear close to the ground for some progressive business culture movements and ideas. I was like, I think I can, I, th I think I can make something that's going to be really helpful and be a great business. And I want to try that. So I was thinking about, okay, like what matters? What have I really struggled with? I thought about tech addiction and I had this one wearable idea that, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I was hacking away on and I pitched it at a meetup. It was the first time I pitched and I only got up the courage to pitch because the last night I had chickened out at karaoke. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. What, what was the karaoke song that you chickened out on? Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if I picked a song. I think I was just you like... You just were sitting in the back. Yeah, yeah, I'll go later. I'm not gonna go do you there. have a go-to karaoke song? Now? <laughs> I don't even know if I've done karaoke since then. I think my go-to karaoke song is... Um, there's a Celine Dion song that I used to sing with my sisters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's great. Which um, one? Ah, oh, man. I don't know the, the Titanic name of it. one. Not the Titanic one. That one's a good one, though. It's like, there were moments of cold and there were flashes of light. <laughs> Anyways, we'll, we'll, save the, we'll save the singing for another, another podcast. Maybe that could be a part episode. of the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Five breaths, Celine Dion. <laughs> Five breaths, yeah, Celine Dion. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. We used to sing it in front of the mirror. Um, when we didn't have phones. <laughs> so, so okay, so you, you go up and you pitch this wearable. Yeah, yeah. And then these other guys are pitching a mindful phone. And I was mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. Our stories sound so similar. We should talk. And it was kind of this love at first sight thing. And then we mm -hmm. had a couple conversations, started working together. And 
I, I wound up joining their team um, two and a half years ago and, and they were building a phone, like a device that yeah. I mentioned before. And they, they had pivoted before because they were originally trying to build it from scratch. They wanted to make like a, a better feature phone. Uh, and like the whole idea was like, yeah, like phones are distracting. We, we need something better. We, we don't need all these bells and whistles. We just kind of need the bare essentials. So let's mm-hmm. make a phone. And that's, there's something like that that has just recently been released that people keep sending to me. There's a few. There's it looks like a calculator. The light phone, probably. Yeah, the light yeah. phone. Awesome guys in New York. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's definitely a place for that, like uh, as a companion phone or for some people who uh, the demands of their job don't necessitate having access to third-party mm. ecosystem apps. Um and, and that's kind of what our original vision was. But then building a phone from scratch, as the light guys will tell you, is really hard and capital intensive and takes a yeah. long time. And not to mention, right, there's this aversion in Silicon Valley to hardware for yeah. whatever reason. It's it's I think it's changing, but, um, you know, a lot of VCs just don't want to touch it. Yeah. They've been burned so many times. I think it's riskier for sure. So, yeah, that first pivot was from building ourselves to let's white label, like let's outsource the device development because people in china have perfected this Mm. let's just focus on the user experience on the software side and i think that was so important to where we are today because we were one of the only companies thinking about okay how do we reimagine the whole smartphone user experience as opposed Mm. to hey let's just solve for this little thing or help people do this one habit and so that's when i joined the team and we we did a kickstarter campaign for that and it got a lot of buzz this was exactly two years ago it didn't really pan out in the way yeah. we were hoping for. I think it was too early. We underestimated the switching costs. And we learned that people have such unique preferences when it comes to what they want or, or don't need. As you said, they didn't want to move to the new city. Yeah, right. They wanted you to meet them where they were. Right. And so that was a clear, okay, well, if we want to keep going ahead, we could try this route. But we had no money. Mm. Um, our existing leadership, the, uh, some personal life demands meant that they couldn't continue. And this was, again, like a new to the world thing, like, and the, the second pivot, like, you know, <laughs> going to be lots of challenges doing it. But uh, there was enough belief um, in, in me and also, or I had enough, like, trust and b- vision and others on my team did that were like, okay, no, let's like, let's, let's explore this. Let's, you know, let's take what we learned and let's try something different. And so that's what we did. And we raised some money and we built a great team and then we built this Android interface and we launched that a year ago. Everything is like in March. <laughs> yeah. It's a good um, time of year, springtime. Yeah, springtime, new. new beginnings. Yeah. Um, but then like, you know, uh, it's a roller coaster. You know, it like sometimes yeah. my life feels like an episode in Silicon Valley where <laughs> you know, things are know hopeless the and then like I just definitely a miracle know happens. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the miracle doesn't come. But <laughs> and that's kind of patient and that's the lesson. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I wanna I wanna talk more about this as well because yeah. I think um you know, your journey is so fascinating. Like coming coming to the second pivot, like what are you thinking now? You know, like you've already changed once yeah how are you how are you keeping the courage the Mm. faith to keep going i'm glad you asked this because i don't think anyone has really asked but it was a really interesting moment in my life because i i think i have had a need to like be on the the forefront like pioneer Mm. um like be where the action is like i want to i want to feel that belonging that inclusion and 
that's part of what I think kept me in, in South and Southeast Asia for when I was 23, 24. It's like, yeah, I want to, I want to be like where things are happening, emerging markets. And like, yeah, I, I can bring in this new innovation to these people or something. I, I don't know. I just, no, I feel that you want to be, uh, you want to be on the cutting edge. Yeah. You want to have impact. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like adventure. I was like craving adventure. Yeah. Um, Maybe from movies I watched when I was younger. Maybe it's like something in the human. So would you say, would you say that that, well, I I think in some ways it is right. And, and I was going to ask, would you say that you had at that time a bias towards new? Yeah. Yeah. I had started a few small projects, companies in high school, college and after I I was always thinking, I, Mm. I think one of my strengths is connecting the dots between people and ideas and putting things together and galvanizing people yeah, around and you're, them. you're an incredible community builder. Oh, thanks man. Um, and Appreciate dot connector. It. I mean, I know obviously you started Wharton wisdom, yeah, which we yeah. can talk about. I'd like to talk about your community building efforts as well. And sure. also the digital wellness warriors. I yeah, think yeah. was something that you yeah. kind of maybe started or at least yeah. were an early participant in. Yeah. Yeah. Co-founded. Uh, co-founded. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I thought. So anyway, so we go back to the, your second pivot. So yeah. like, what's, what are you feeling? How are you staying sane <laughs> i mean like a second you know like this is yeah. something that yeah, yeah. when an entrepreneur faces right. one pivot right right it's like oh man like we need to change everything again and then you lose a team member yeah and pivot again you, you know, have a how, salary and- yeah no sal. like how are you holding it together yeah yeah uh or are you holding it together because <laughs> i've yeah. been there before as well the thing that's coming up is there are a few conversations with with friends who were uh yeah they, they were just checking in with me and encouraging me to to stick with this like that there's something there and there's now a leadership opportunity i could step into to lead this company because before i was i was not leading it i was an operations manager mm. and and i think i yeah i i went on a meditation retreat and so like i had some more space i went on a few hikes i, th- I think i just had the i i like my trust ran deep. I was like, yeah, this is still really important. And I am now on the cutting edge of something. And I just sense that staying in here will bring benefits to my, my career, my personal life, because working in this wellness industry, I think is like the most incredible people. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, It it brings so much value just by being here, even if you don't make a salary from it. And yeah, it just it just felt like it, it felt like we're on to something. And mm-hmm. and I want to see it through. And and so that I yeah, I think that would you describe me. it as I mean, is it is it a is it a is it faith? Is it almost religious? Mm. Is it is it just trust? Is it trust in yourself? Is it is it just evaluate are you evaluating the pros and cons at this point and building T charts and saying like, <laughs> well, you know, relationship and I'm on the yeah. edge and all that like can you even, can you kind of parse that a little bit more? Yeah. I think another skill of mine is listening to intuition. It's a skill mm. that I'm constantly honing, but like getting into those meditation and nature spaces, I think that's what I learned time and again. I did my first Vipassana meditation course a few weeks ago, which is uh, yeah. a 10 day silent meditation retreat in this particular tradition. I'm, I really want to try one of those. I can't believe I haven't done one yet. In time. Yeah. yeah and soon. Yeah. Uh, one of many things that, uh, came through to me was just like ah, uh, like of course. Whenever I step away from the screens and the doing and the working, the to do list, that's when all the clarity and creativity <laughs> and the magic comes through, and that's when I fall in love with life again and again. And it's just ah, uh, I want to, I want that in my life more and more. So I've, 
I've started doing these more like Shabbat Sabbath type practices. Like mm-hmm. last Saturday, I I didn't bring my phone out in the morning, and I kind of walked walked down to the lake. I got some coffee. I journaled. And I basically nice. spent three hours, and it was just like again, like visioning, visioning, creativity, like all the all the things. Are, are so clear and I just know what to do. It just gives me this roadmap for life. And I think the roadmap that was coming through at the Harbor to Software Pivot was just that, yeah, like I I think this <laughs> this can go. Uh, let's try it. I, I think it's 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 going to be fruitful in one way or another. So you trust your intuition. You take space. One mm-hmm. of your practices is taking space away from the act- action from the constant desire to yeah. do something. Yeah, get out and of your you head. S- you sit and you yeah. feel into this is this is my journey. This is what my heart is telling me to do. And you actually listen to that. Yeah, I, I'm getting better at the listening to emotions in the body. Mm. I can't say I can really discern like the heart versus the gut versus mm. you know whatever. But I, I, I think there's think something I'm hungry. <laughs> I, know a good spot. I like pizza um, okay. yeah, it's cool i mean it's it's great and i think you know what's so interesting about that is what you're building is cultivating that for others right when we're when yes. we're constantly on our phones doing 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 mm-hmm. consuming 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 we don't have that space for creative free flow of thought Mm -hmm. where we start to connect those dots internally and make decisions. And so what you're doing is so important to help others cultivate what you are currently building for yourself and what's led you on this path. Exactly. It's awesome. We could drop the mic right there. Like that's why I'm doing this. (laughs) It's not to like wake up the world or anything. It's just like in personal experience and as we've seen among our users and uh, you know conversations it's like when when we get into healthier habits around our relationship with technology just like all the good stuff emerges and what's Mm. hard is that it's hard to measure the best things in life like love and compassion and kindness and you know service like but we we know when we do them that like yes like this is it feeds our soul there's some kind of there's some kind of positive feedback loop that starts to develop yeah that's real um yeah, it's 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 crazy to me to think about, you know, I, I often think about this space and how, you know, over time, at least over the last century, we've kind of, our, our personal mental space has been invaded mm-hmm. by media and it has positive effects. But like, you know, you go from going to the movies to consume media, to going to, you know, to, to a radio in your home around yeah. the same time. And now... You constantly have access and then it's television. So it's visual, right? And then, mm-hmm. of course, we evolved to computers and now the phone is by your bed. And mm-hmm. there's no, there, that space needs to be actually made. We need to make that space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's really challenging. But that's where the best, that's where like the magic happens. Exactly. Where does that happen for you? Honestly, um, you know, I, I wish that I gave myself more stillness, mm-hmm. more silence, Um to really kind of feel through what I'm trying to do, right? Like, I also like to think that I follow my intuition, but oftentimes it's hard to identify what is the voice of a desire, for example, or an ego-driven voice, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe I want financial gain or maybe, you know, I want attention versus what um, is kind of heart-driven. I think about it with this right now, with this podcast. Like, why am I doing this, Right. right? And 
you know, is it ego driven? Is it like, oh, I have attention now. So let's like try to keep that attention. Mm -hmm. Or is it really like, I know people like you in my life that I get to share with others now and the messages that they bring. Mm -hmm. And I like to think it's the latter. And I hope that it is. Um, Yeah, I sense that. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't know. I mean, that space, I definitely take meditation yeah. time. Um, I've now been, uh, it got worse because I started going down this kind of um, blockchain rabbit hole. Yeah. And that industry was so crazed over the last year and a half. And so my my physical practice faded, my meditation practice faded. Mm-hmm. I don't sleep near my phone. Um, I think that's like just such an easy fix, yeah. right? Like just plug your phone in, in the living room. Yeah. And I have an old analog alarm. Great. <laughs> that I use to wake myself up. So people are like, oh, but I use my phone for my alarm. Like, no, you don't really need to. There's these things. They're yeah. called alarm clocks. Yeah. Um, so that that's where I create space for myself. But I would love to take like proper time, you know? I find like even the weekends, we just like, I just, I on the weekends, you know, fill that space with other people. Yeah. Because I want to just communicate, right? And I want to be out there. But like my favorite weekends are the ones where I just, have so much laundry to do that I have to stay <laughs> home. So I'm just like, all right, laundry. And then I sit in my backyard and I kind of chill. Yeah, yeah. So nice. Anyways, this isn't about me. But um, so we're going back to you You trust your intuition, yeah. right? You create space for yourself. And I want to get back to pivot two and kind of where you've gone. But before that, you asked me what my practices are. I'd love to hear more about um, what kind of practices or superhuman powers mm. you're trying to cultivate um, that have helped you in your journey? You mentioned a few already. Yeah. I, again, I feel so grateful to be living in this place in this time in these Mm. communities because it, it provides access to like everything that's possible from ancient and modern traditions, East and West, um, you know, science and contemplative, whatever. So I like to dip my toes in and just get a feel for like, oh, what's going on with, you know, somatic therapy healing? What's going on with improv or uh, dance? What's going on mm-hmm. with, you know, this form of meditation or this type of forest bathing? And yeah, I, I think I'm still in a, in, a, in a phase of exploring. On a daily basis, I, I have a meditation practice. I do a little Qigong, just kind of moving meditation. Uh-huh. I journal. I I try to dance in my room for like at least a song or two. That's been really fun. Cool. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of ecstatic dance. Yeah, really? I love Ooh. that practice. Maybe we can I go mean, tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd yeah. be really fun. I There's something about just like when after the first 10 or 15 minutes when you're just noticing the way that your body's moving or when I'm noticing the way that my body's moving and yeah. thinking about it and like am I being watched like other people and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden just something goes off and you're not – none of that's happening in the yeah. background anymore. Yeah. Dance is, is incredible. And that's what my physical yoga practice brings as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting out of your head into your body. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. There's so many things lately. I've actually gone a bit intellectual getting into more philosophy and politics. Mm. There's this political party that's new that I'm inspired by called one nation. Mm-hmm. And it's partially grounded in this meta modernism ideology. And so that's brought me down the trail of metaphysics and, Huh. I I just moved to Oakland and I live in a more justice oriented house and so I I get a lot of different inspirations from different places and I think that's one of my 
superpowers, if you will. It's that I I can open myself up and and relate in a lot of diverse spaces. Mm. And then I've seen that firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And then I draw inspiration and like, you know, the dust settles and it's like, oh yeah, like that's that has resonance. Let's let's go with that. And um, I don't but, know how to but you're not it. you're not blindly just and I think one of the challenges on kind of the spiritual path and we're mm-hmm. moving more towards mindfulness here and 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 mental health and things yeah. like that or maybe even spirit is this kind of you know you we can bring that searching for meaning with us into the spiritual path and there are plenty of people that want to fill that void with their philosophy with their mm-hmm. teachings whatever and what I just resonated with me from what you just said is you take little bits of everything and make them your own. Mm. You're not like enamored with one practice that then becomes like, if you're not a Kundalini yogi (laughs) and you're wearing white every day and you're sending the energy up your spine in this specific way with this chant, (laughs) then you are not spiritual. Right. Right. Like I really like that. There's so much to be learned from all of these different traditions and maybe integration is one of your greatest superpowers. Yeah. I like the sound of that. (laughs) And And I think it's cool too that, People are also devoted to a singular path and practice. Um, my, my style, at least right now, has just been like, wow, there's so much amazing stuff. I'd love to try it all. Mm. And and then I'll learn what I like. And I'm still pretty young. So we'll see where it goes. But yeah, it's just such a, such a gift to be able to, like, as part of my job description, it's spend my spare time trying all these things, which I like to do. And mm. often improve me in various ways, and then use that as like a competitive advantage to build something that's really awesome and really helps people wake up from the hypnosis of technology and connect to things and people that make them come alive. Yeah, and I think about you know I'm so excited for for what you're going to build and what you are building and and how you're going you and your team and the whole community that is now going to start spiraling around this is mm-hmm. going to bring some of these practices and ideologies into the development of technology going yeah, forward. Yeah. It's crucial. Right. And like we have, you know, Elon Musk and Brian Johnson and these guys kind of at a super high level thinking about human brain interfaces, yeah. right? Because AI is going to take over the world and we're all going to become paper clips <laughs> um, if we don't do that. But like, this is, I think also, this is like the heart of it, what you're building. Um, yeah, it's the heart of that. Yeah, it, it feels really important. And uh, there's something I just wanted to add about. Yeah, I, I, I just want to rehash how important I think psychological support and growth are to the 21st century. Hmm. I think that like right now, politics are in the air. I mean, always in America, but like people are debating this issue, that issue. It's nice to see climate coming more front and center because I think that's really important and we need to collaborate and like develop collective intelligence around that so we can address it in a meaningful way. Um, but I think we also need a really strong phase shift in, uh, in how we're thinking and how we're, uh, how we're taking care of people psychologically. And that's not on the table and like no one's having that conversation in politics, but because of the demands of the 21st century, which is like, as we're fusing with technology, it's, I think, extremely critical. Mm-hmm. And so even if whatever side of the political spectrum you're on gets everything they want to, we're still going to have billions of people who are lonely and depressed and without meaning. And I think that's really important to to address. And mm-hmm. so I think what we're doing is this incredible way to meet 
billions of people where they're at, and then provide an on-ramp to this growing world of products and services and content that can really help people with those things that government isn't providing and the school's not providing and maybe the home's not providing because, you know, demands on parents are crazy. And like we, like our, our kids kind of become an expression of who we are and what we value. And a lot of people don't have the means to do all this personal work on themselves. Yeah. And the so, means, the time, you know, thinking about a single mother who's working, you know, a job and taking care of kids. Yeah. You know, I'm an, I'm an uncle and I spend three hours with my niece and nephew and I feel like I'm going to, I'm, I'm exhausted. I go take a nap afterwards. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know how my sister does it. I don't know how her husband does it, you know, and, and how can people take that time for themselves when they have others in, the, in their care, mm-hmm. right? And so we need this community. We need this support system and network. Yeah. And, and the word in, in the yoga world is sangha, mm. right? And like you're, we in in that world kind of try to cultivate again our superhuman capabilities and we do asana and meditation and breath work and all these things and all of it is kind of empty unless you have people going along on the journey with you and when you run into roadblocks people to say hey i need your support and whether that's a digital community or an app that's there to protect your your brain from mental attack mm-hmm. um and maybe that's too extreme um i think i think we need we need that sangha we need a digital sangha mm-hmm. in the future and and i hear you and there's so much there um in, in what you just said uh just imagining facebook rebranding to digital sangha yeah, <laughs> to try I, mean, to make, yeah. <laughs> I mean i saw zuckerberg yesterday talking about people you know finally maybe he's considering allowing individuals to have control over their own data and mm. where it's shared and i think that's that's a big step forward right? yeah. and companies like yours are going to continue moving you know the the goalposts for these larger organizations um to kind of do the right thing uh for for all of us um that's the goal you know look at like wow like you just touched on so much but there's all of these all of these externalities of our technology use yeah. right um these these centralized hacks lead to a lack of trust in institutions mm-hmm. We have polarization of politics across the globe. There's a lot of rage and anger. Mm-hmm. I just saw a map of the United States, um, you know, two time periods in The Economist um, showing the density of opioid deaths. I think opi- opioid abuse, opioid abuse has caused more deaths in the last two years by like 2x than heart, heart attacks and car, car uh-huh. accidents and cancer in the United States. Uh-huh. We have, we're in San Francisco right now, one of the hotbeds for youth suicide, mm. right? Like we need to evaluate what's going on out there and find solutions, not just like cry about it, but actually yeah. do something about it. Yeah. If not now, like, when are we going to do it? Yeah. It's uh. So yeah, it, it, it's this mythic heroism that's kind of called forth from all of us because there's all like for every one of us, there's ways that we can make a difference in our in our community if we have the skills or the financial resources through through companies, mm-hmm. um, nonprofits, um, and, and that's what I think if anything gets me out of bed every day in the morning. It's like, oh my god, I have a schedule full of figuring out and harmonizing with people who are trying to like make the world a better place. And not necessarily from the like save the world perspective, but it's just like practical. Yeah, I think it's more like this is important. Like we we don't have all the answers and we're not gonna do it ourselves, but like we we need more people like jumping in the in the bunker so that spaceship Earth survives and thrives. Hmm. I think I'm gonna end it there. Cool. Um <laughs> 
there's i mean we can do probably like 10 episodes i'm yeah. sure <laughs> um thank you so much thank you for Mark. doing this with me uh this was really fun i hope that you enjoyed it as well and i, did. I really hope that people listening um you know i i hope i hope this this is something that you want more of and if it's not you know i'll, I'll keep creating until i figure out a way that it it resonates but obviously you can you can follow Andrew and Siempo on Twitter. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but Andrew <laughs> hasn't posted to Instagram in five years. Um, so get a load of that. I don't know if that's the platform to follow him on, but... Probably I'll, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yep. my handle there is Andrew Dunn, two A's. So A-A-N-D-R-E-W. And, and, and I'll post the handles underneath um, any content here and Siempo and, and just be on the lookout. There's a lot happening with this company, I think. It's more than a company. It's a movement. Mm. Um, it's so exciting for me to see where this is all going. So thank you. Thank you. This should, is great. Should we end with a deep breath? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. And I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. It's been a really fun ride so far. I just get so excited every time I meet some of these incredible people and just love sharing their stories and, and ideas with you all. You can learn more about the show at thelookuppodcast.com. That's T-H-E, lookuppodcast.com. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Wark Meinstein, W-A-R-C, m-e-i-n-s-t-e-i-n on both twitter instagram um, and medium and facebook uh we have a facebook page for the show as well the lookup podcast um, on facebook so check us out uh, you can also subscribe to our mailing list on the website for more future updates if there's anything from the show that you want to catch i've posted that in the show links for you to check out. And if there's any way that I can improve, please let me know. Feel free to reach out. If you have any guest recommendations, please let me know. Other than a couple of individuals who are helping me out in the background, you know, this is a passion project and I'm always open to feedback and any kind of support. I want to thank Sam Palumbo and Patch Kid Music for the sound editing and the intro and outro song that he created. And I want to thank Hello There Collective for their support on my social media. You can check them out at hellotherecollective.com. All right, that's enough for me. I'm sure you're ready to go on to your next activity. Thank you for listening. And please come back again next week for another episode of the Look Up Podcast. Podcast.